Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HCD VidCast, episode 16 of our Curious Conversations. Today, we are talking about an interesting approach, um, very involved in traditional market research, but it's a more complicated approach, um, so it's a good one to discuss, conjoint analysis. Um, And with that, I'm going to leap right into who we are, what we do. My name is Michelle Murphy-Nagella. I'm VP of Research and Innovation at HCD. And I'm joined as always by Catherine Ambrose. Catherine. Hi, everybody. It's great to be back as always. We just want to give a warm welcome to both returning and new friends that are here. I am Catherine Ambrose, the manager of behavioral and marketing sciences with HCD. And Conjoint's really important market research tool to cover. So definitely looking forward to it. But first, I'll let Michelle share a little bit about our company. Sure. So, you know, using something like Conjoint, uh, we use it because we are a market research uh, house. Um, HCD uh, looks at consumer behavior and consumers perceiving, evaluating, responding to stimuli across all sorts of uh, verticals uh, from product development all the way through the end stages of marketing and communication. Um, we also use a variety of different tools um, from psychological tools to traditional market research tools and behavioral science tools. Our tools can be used anywhere in the world, either online or in person, and we have done that as you can see here in the map. Um, but today we're going to talk about Conjoint, which is a, t- a traditional tool. Um, but it's more of the, like, I guess, advanced as far as, um, you know, traditional market research tools go, right? Right, exactly. So hopping right into it, contract analysis, what exactly is it? It's, it's really useful when you're trying to determine how consumers will react to new products, maybe entering a competitive market space or even changing an existing product. Conjoint, it's also referred to as this idea of being a discrete choice analysis because the decisions that are used in, and the questions that are asked in conjoint analysis, analysis happen all the time in everyday life. So when we go shopping and we look at two or more different products, you're bound to see certain things that you like more than others for each product. And the reasoning that you have for choosing one over the other um, is essentially what is that analysis within conjoint and um, it really helps to learn how to best appeal to consumers. Sure. So I think, you know, when stepping back to think about it, it's, it's a very similar tool to MaxDiff, which we talked about in a previous um, vidcast. And so it is kind of taking, taking a step back to look at how people make their decisions, right? So how they weigh different aspects of a product when they're, say, deciding to buy it or deciding that they like it or whatever it is you post to them. So it's kind of like, do you want A or B? Do you want, you know, Z or X? Exactly. Um, and they go, you go through that exercise anytime you're at a shelf, right? So you walk into a grocery store and you're looking at store brand um, pasta versus name brand pasta, right? And so you're comparing, okay, is, you know, the quality different, the ingredients, are they the same? Like, which do I prefer? Is this packaging better? You know, does the the color of the product look different? What's the price difference? And you weigh like, okay, is it that I trust this brand more that's more important? Or is it that I want the price that's, you know, more attractive, right? Um, so we go through all those things in our mind with everything that we do. And Conjoint is a way of breaking down that process to really weigh out, you know, all these little micro decisions within our final decision, right? And then coming up with what the ideal really is. Yeah, exactly. And 
just to note for everyone that maybe is going to look into conjoint analysis, there are many, many different types of conjoint analysis, but usually in market research, they focus on choice-based conjoint analysis, and that's also referred to as CBD, but we're going to not use that term, the CBD <laughs> term, because we don't want to confuse anybody. <laughs> we are not talking about cannabis. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not today. But we are talking about basketball. Can you explain this a little bit to me, <laughs> Yes. So when Catherine and I first started talking about conjoint as an approach and um, also with Max Diff as an approach, I, I started talking about it as like this decision tree, right? So you like try to find out which is the winner. And at the time, and I think it was spring when we were talking about this, um, you know, I had just filled out the bracket for the springtime. I guess this was probably last year because you know we didn't have it this year. Yeah. But um, you know, so I was like, oh, it's a lot like the NCAA brackets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you make these little decisions and you have a winner for each one right? And the winners get more narrow and more narrow until you have the ultimate product at the center that is the winner above all. Mm -hmm. That exactly. makes sense? <laughs> I mean, this is so, a analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So although basketball is not exactly market research and, you know, um, the brackets that are involved in the, the tournament, the bracket tournaments, um, you know, again, not market research, but I think the idea there kind of explains the decision tree that we go through all the time when we make decisions. But even more so, if you imagine that each one of these brackets, as you get more and more narrow, it has a score, right? And so you get numerical values um, on like how much preference there might be for one over the other. Um, so then you can actually create the perfect product based on this decision tree. Yeah, exactly. I think this is a great analogy, and I'm a big Duke fan, so I love them more <laughs> at the time. And they do pretty well. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, me being you know next to Philadelphia, you know, we're Villanova. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Moving off of basketball because honestly, it's not market research, but yeah. it you, it was good for this example. Um, so let, let's dive more into the more consumer idea of decision making and what you're trying to get out of using an approach like conjoint, mm -hmm. figuring out the decision tree uh, for products. Yeah, so it's important to keep that uh, analogy in mind while we go through this because there are definitely two sides of the coin here. There's the buyers that obviously want the best uh, price for their product. Um, that would be most optimally taking care of their needs and their wants. And you really want that your needs and your wants met at the lowest price. That's kind of the goal for a lot of, of consumers. While there's also the sellers then who are on the other hand, and they really want the price then as high as possible for the cheapest amount of overhead, you know, to maximize that profit. So when you're considering the, the landscape, it's really necessary to think about these things when you're trying to find that middle ground to get that fair competitive price. And conjoint's really useful for predicting how products will perform having, you know, like you mentioned, those certain features that you might want to include or highlight um, specifically for certain demographics that are going to be focused on. Yeah. And then, um, in, like, just to bring it a little further, if you're making the right combinations and the right features at the right price, 
it's it's really hard to to find that balance. So conjoint analysis is useful to help with getting those key attributes that are really important and finding that balance again. It's actually the idea of keeping this consumer's utility in mind by really quantifying their preferences. And I think the prediction factor is a really big part of the utility of the, using the conjoint method, right? Uh -huh. um, you know, so trying to be able to predict what's going to happen in market is, is the big question mark for everybody when you have a new product or a new service that you're trying to bring up. You know, so rather than lose, you know, a ton of money after releasing something, everybody wants to know, is there a way to predict how something's going to perform in market? Exactly. And we don't have a crystal ball, but we have these tools to help us out. <laughs> <laughs> right. The best they can. Yeah. Yes. So here we have just a very simple, uh, you know, simple broken down example of just the idea of conjoint. So like we have discussed, typically conjoint, it does involve a lot of features that people have to consider when they're making choices between two things. But we stripped it down a little bit for this example so that way you could understand it from a, a, a little bit more of a simple approach. So here you see that there's features of competitive uh, competing plans at different prices. And it's to really get an understanding of both what the intent of the purchase is, as well as, like we said, the consumer preferences. So maybe it works best for you to have the cheaper plan, but you don't need as many gigabytes of data or you, you know, the unlimited calls is all your real focus is for this. Um, so it really does depend and it's a personal preference. That's what it comes down to. But by ha having all these different combinations of features that are shown, it'll give the estimates of preference scores and um, you have the product features that will vary and then eventually it helps to build the product's concept. So really what happens is participants just rank and then they rate the products concepts, which are considered, I guess you'd say the, in, uh, the dependent variable in this. And then um, from that, the responses will eventually tell the value of each feature. And, and that's really you know, how conjoint works. It's, it, it's over time, it, it, every response you get is going to help to build uh, that final value for each feature. Right, so this decision tree is pretty simple and you can imagine as a consumer. Now, if you were the cell service provider and you were trying to come up with plans, then you would have a lot more information here. You might have a lot of different price points, a lot of different options for the amount of data, um, you know, maybe some phone options and a bunch of other services that might be included. So you might be able to use something like a conjoint approach to figure out what the ideal plan A should be the cheaper endpoint, as well as what plan B should look like based on the research you do with doing conjoint analysis, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you can find the ideal cheaper version and the ideal data version, right? Right, exactly. And so just this example, like we said, is a really simple example of what sometimes can be a daunting task to try to create this perfect product and it helps to break it down a little bit easier so that you can have that really solidified reasoning behind why you went with the decision you chose to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then let's think about this, you know, what, what can you do? So you decide to apply um, conjoint analysis um, to your product or your pricing or whatever it might be. Um, what are some things that conjoint can provide? 
Right. So like we mentioned here, there's features that should be included in certain new releases or, or maybe new, um, there's new changes in the world. When we were putting this together, uh, clearly uh, toilet paper is really a, is a, <laughs> what, it, it is a sore spot and has been a sore spot for some people about what they're willing to pay and what they're willing to sacrifice to, to have toilet paper. And so it's important for people maybe on the Charmin side and with the Charmin team to consider what features should be included to convince people to, you know, to, to continue to purchase their product over maybe somebody else's product that might be a little bit cheaper um, or there might be more supply of. So it's, it's really that idea of there's this bundle of attributes that you're considering and you want that bundle to, to really stand out amongst your competitors. So that's a really important thing to consider. Um, and also, this goes to show if the expansion, if you add too many factors, if it'll actually hurt you. Maybe your, your target audience isn't really interested in having the softest, um, you know, the softest toilet paper. They're more interested in having cheaper toilet paper or a, a larger abundance of rolls or something like that to mm -hmm. give the, you know, the perception of more toilet paper. Right. Like when is something become a little too many choices sort of yeah. situation as well. Like, you know, where, where should your money go in, you know, expanding your, your product line? Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, you might want to envision the, um, the pasta sauce aisle, right? Mm -hmm. um, the number of options that there are for pasta sauce. Uh, and this has been studied actually extensively by, by food scientists and, um, and sensory people and, and food um, consumer research people. But um, at some point there is, you know, too many choices. Uh, but there's also the flip side that you might be able to sell more if you offer more choices. But obviously there's a delicate balance between the two. Right, right. So you really want to find that delicate balance. And just places where conjoint analysis could be really useful would be when you are considering your positioning in terms of, you know, uh, making new material and new um, communication measures. So that's something you can consider. We've discussed how pricing is really important. Segmentation, maybe even like a resource allocation, um, where you really want to put your focus into investing as a company. Uh, would it be more useful in the product developments? Like where in the product development space would it be best to kind of explore further and, and make sure you're really hitting the mark for the consumers? So it's, it's looking at those trade-offs that the consumers prioritize. And, and that's, really the, um, that's really the core to the value in conjoint analysis. Right, yeah. But it's a useful tool. And you know, if you wanna go back and take a look at the Max Diff discussion that we also had, um, you know, they are kind of like sisters, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, they, one is good in one situation, one is better in another but they are very much closely related. Um, yes. And so you have to make a decision on which tool fits. Yeah, better. and there's definitely some advantages too where um, you might prefer this over other traditional, other traditional methods because respondents are choosing from a more realistic experience where, where they are going out there and doing these things. Um, and you also avoid things like scale biases or maybe mm -hmm. um, over or under exaggerating in a survey response. All of these things you can 
kind of sidestep by using conjoint analysis. So it, it helps, yeah, it helps to have those multiple attributes all really looked at and it's a more realistic idea of, of what the fuller picture looks like for the product. Mm -hmm. So yeah, especially if you can get enough people behind this, because to do conjoint or max diff, you do need a significant number of people. Um, you know, so in a lot of cases when people have, when clients have these types of questions that are listed out here on the screen, um, sometimes they might do qualitative approaches and those qualitative approaches might, you know, only involve 20 people, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when you want to do conjoint or max diff, you need more like 75 or 100 people. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there is a lot of value to it, but you do have to be really cautious, like you said, with the sample size, because mm -hmm. you want to make sure that what you're, what you're collecting is, is not just a bunch of outliers, you know? Yeah. So it's <laughs> but also your choice on tests can also depend on how many options you have, because mm -hmm. if you don't have enough levels uh, that you're testing, you also can't do conjoint, right? So you have to make sure that it's, it's complicated enough to be able to do conjoint or max depth. Right, exactly. And, and just to follow up with that, we, we do have the max diff, but there's, I also believe we have a, a video, a vidcast about max diff and implicit, the max implicit. So true. if you yes. can't have enough, like that is another option for you. To go with that. <laughs> Apparently um, we love talking about this. Exactly. <laughs> Please. <laughs> awesome. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Um, but if you have any questions about, you know, the type of work that we do or anything that we spoke about here uh, in this session, then please feel free to reach out to us either via our emails or you can go to the, the website. Um, you can see our blog that has a lot of our write-ups on all these ideas as well as white papers. Tweet with us, follow us on Twitter. We post all sorts of interesting things all of the time. Um, but first and foremost, please uh, like this video and subscribe to this um, channel uh, and link with us on LinkedIn. We wanna communicate with you, let's play. Awesome, Michelle covered all of the things. So all I have to say is until next time. Until next time, thank you so much. Bye. Bye.